0: All right, we're in week three of our series, highlighting some parts of 1 Peter, and and Peter's writing to a whole bunch of Christians, and they're suffering, and and he wants to give them hope, and and he does that throughout this letter, and so we're looking at one of the things he's talking about, and he's reminding us and telling us is that you and I as Christians and we're Jesus followers, that we are actually like, this world's not our home. That that everything we see around us, this is in our home, where he says, we're actually foreigners, we're sojourners, or another translation is, we're exiles. And, 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 And because of that, because we're exiles, because we're foreigners in this world, he says, we are to be different than the world around us. In fact, it's not just that we would be different, Peter uses stronger language than that. Throughout the letter, he uses the word call or calling or are being called. And he just tells us over and over and over again is that we are called to something different. Jesus' followers are called to something different. Now, when I talk about a calling, a lot of times people kind of wonder, you know, what am I called to do. And that starts all the way back when we're a little kid, right? Because when we're a little kid, and as we're growing up, we think, you know, we have this feeling, this sense of, oh, I'm called to be something, right? Everybody here has had that. There was at some point in your life, you thought you were going to be this, or be this, or be that. In fact, do this right now, Turn to about two or three different people around you, so it has to include someone you may not know, and tell them what you wanted to be when you were a kid, okay? So go ahead. Do that now. Tell three people. I see some smiles. That's good. That's good. Did anybody hear anything interesting or fun? Anybody hear anything interesting that someone was called to be? No? You're like, I'm not raising my hand because t- I don't want this getting out in public. <laughs> right? You know, last service we had someone was called to be an actor. Oh, we got one, Tang? What, what did we hear? A friend of a unicorn. That is the most different one I've ever heard in my life. That was awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Can anybody talk? top a friend of a unicorn going once going twice nobody that is a great one that's cool thanks for sharing that Larissa we'll have to talk tomorrow about that man when I was a little kid man I thought I was called to be an Air Force pilot that's what I wanted to be and then of course Top Gun came out and I was like oh I'm for sure gonna be a pilot you know and not wear a shirt on the beach and all that kind of stuff And the new movie comes out. We'll see if he doesn't have a shirt on the beach. Anyway, so uh, called to be that. And then there came a point where I thought I was called to be a baseball player, except my talent disagreed with that. <laughs> and, and then there was a point where I really actually, the path I was pursuing, was I kind of thought I was going to be, I was called to be a businessman and work with my dad and buy and sell dirt and real estate and property and all that kind of stuff. And then God kind of grabbed me in a different way. And I sensed that call to full-time ministry. God says, I have a calling for you. I've called you to be something different. And there are three different types of callings, and today we're going to talk specifically mostly about the third one, but let me tell you about the the two other callings. There is this eternal calling that God calls to all people, an eternal calling to Christ. And you may not realize it, but do you? every single day, every single moment of every day, the Holy Spirit is working in the world. Do you know that? And the Holy Spirit is working in the world, and he is drawing people to himself. He, he is drawing people to spiritual things, to the things of God. He is drawing people to himself. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says that God, it's God's will that nobody should perish. God wants everybody to say yes to His invitation of grace through Jesus Christ, first Timothy chapter two God, says, god it says God wants everyone to be saved that 's god 's great desire, everybody to know the truth and, and know and to be saved it 's an eternal calling to salvation in and through Jesus and Peter knew what it was like to be called by Jesus to be drawn. Towards Jesus, maybe you, some of you know the story, Luke chapter five, and, and Peter's out there and he's fishing. Some of you may not know the short story, and Peter's fishing and, and he had a terrible time. He didn't catch anything. Up walks this rabbi. That kind of sounds like a joke. Hey, there's a fisherman and a rabbi. <laughs> Up walks this rabbi and he says, "Hey, I want you to throw your nets in on the other side." And Peter's like, "No, no, no. You know what? You're, you teach, I fish. Kind of leave me alone." No, he doesn't do that, but he says, "Okay, I'll do it." So he throws in his nest to the other side. He catches so many fish. I mean, a miraculous catch of fish. Peter realizes this person in front of him isn't just another person, isn't just another rabbi, another teacher. This is like a holy man. And so Peter falls to his knees and says, get away from me. I'm a sinful person. And Jesus says, no, 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 Peter. I have something special for you. You're not going to just fish for fish any longer. You're going to fish for men. I'm calling you. Come and follow me. See, Jesus called Peter out of where he was to become a follower of Jesus. So Peter understands. He knows what it's like that God is calling us. There's this eternal call in our life to come out of ourselves, to come out of our own desires, and to give our lives to Jesus, to follow Jesus, to surrender our lives to Jesus. It's an invitation. That God gives to every single person to receive my gift of life, of eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. And there might be a few of you here who are here this morning and you have never accepted that gift. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that today, this morning, before we leave the building. There's a second type of call and it's something that I think people oftentimes get pretty excited about. It's that temporary calling to an assignment. Temporary calling to assignment. You might feel called to a particular role or responsibility. You you feel called to maybe study something uh, in college. And right now, this last week, this week, next week, a lot of you are sending off your kids to college. And the kids are excited to to go, to get out of the house, and, 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 and to study this call, this new stage of life. And as excited as they are to leave, you're more excited that they are leaving. And some of you get that. Well, oh, it'll be difficult in the moments, but you get it. Maybe you feel called to be a teacher or a, or a nurse, or maybe you feel called to go on a, a mission trip or to serve God in a certain part of the world. We had Joshua and Christy Leah here up on the, the stage recently, and They felt this call to serve God specifically by moving up to Arcade Arden area and to live among the Afghan refugees and to to do ministry there amongst them. And so we we sent them out here recently, and and that's what they've done. They sold their house in Elk Grove, and they went and lived there. And and so that's what they're doing, they're serving God. And and some of us are going to have the opportunity to participate with them in their ministry in the upcoming months, and we're going to welcome you and invite you to that. There's a call to something. Now, the rest of this morning, I want to look at the third call. It's the one that can be overlooked often by us. But if you're here this morning and you name the name of Jesus and you say you're a Jesus follower, you believe that you're a Christ follower, a Christian, this is a call for you. It's a call for every single one of us who are followers of Jesus. And it's a daily call call, not an occasional, weekly, monthly, yearly, a daily call to a different standard, a daily call to live our lives differently, to live the LLJ standard that we talked about last week. If you are not here, go listen, go watch, to love like Jesus loved, to live like Jesus lived. Now, when you and I think about calling, it's just natural. We tend to think about doing What am I called to do? But Peter tells us that God always starts with the who before he gets to the do. You see, God's first concern is who you are before he gets to the what you do. And that's critical for us because that lays the foundation before we get to the do. Because if the who isn't right, the do will never be right. You see, God doesn't just care about your outward action and behavior. We're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to get to that. But you know what God cares about? This, the heart, the motives. He cares about our integrity first and foremost. And so that's where he starts. When you know who you are, then you can get to the do. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. You could even kind of say, the, the, you know, use it in the negative sense. I know who I'm not. I know I am not a musician. I'm not a magician or a musician. And this team up here does a phenomenal job leading us in worship, and bringing us into the presence of God. And I love to worship God with you. We worship God throughout the week, but I love to do it corporately to lift up the name of Almighty God. But I got to tell you, I've always wished and wanted to be on the stage as a (laughs) musician. It's not that hard, Chris, (laughs) to be a musician that even sound right? It just doesn't sound like my my brain's not doing those words. I've always wanted to be up here and I've pictured myself singing out like I was preaching and all this kind of stuff. And it's probably why God made sure I never did that. And I know what I'm not called to do to do this because I've heard my voice and I apologize to any of you who've ever been near me during worship. I do. I've heard it. You ever been on an airplane and they come over the loudspeaker and they say, is there a doctor on the airplane? Has that happened to any of you, right? anybody? Okay, a bunch, those of you who've traveled, it happens. I have never once heard, hey, is there a pastor on the airplane? <laughs> never. You hear, is there a doctor? Why? Because sitting in those seats, if you know who you are... There's a doctor sitting there, and the doctor knows who he is or she is. I'm a doctor. They need one, and so that doctor is going to help the person who, obviously, they need help with. They're not asking for a, pa- a pastor. When you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. So before Peter tells him, this is what I've called you to do, to live daily a different standard. That's where we're headed this morning. Before he tells you about that, he says, I want to lay the foundation, I want to set it first for you i want to tell you who you are so let's look at this together first peter chapter 2 first peter chapter 2 we're going to start in verse 9 as usual we're going to say some words together throughout the morning first peter chapter 2 verse 9 he says this he says to you and i for you are a what what's the word you are a Chosen. chosen people you are a royal priest a holy nation Who else are you? He says, you are God's very own possession. We need to understand, first and foremost, is that we have been chosen by God to be in his family. I mean, that's an incredible thought. And as members of his family, we actually have a special role. Because of this verse and other verses that are similar to this, theologians have come up with this term that is used to describe us. And when he talks about us being a, a priest and a royal nation, we're described as, it's described as the priesthood of all believers, the priesthood of all believers. and what that means is that we are all ministers of god we can all represent god to other people you don't have to go to special training to represent god we are all priests we are all ministers the priesthood of all believers you don't have to go to a special school to represent god you don't need a certificate that says you've been ordained to represent god we are all ministers one of the most common things that i hear people will come up to me and say Hey, pastor, I I really would like you to talk to my friend. They have questions about God. They're thinking about God, and I'd really like you to share God with them. And I'm like, to every single one of them, I always say, you do it. You do it. And they look at me a little bit shocked. They're like, well, that's what your job. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. You're a pastor. No, you do it. It's the priesthood of all believers. We're all ministers. And the reality is, you know your friend better than I do. You share Jesus. You share how Jesus has changed your life. You share how Jesus has impacted you and transformed you and made you new. That story of what Jesus has done in your life is way more powerful than anything I could say to them as a person who doesn't even know them. Are you tracking with me on this? So the next time you come up to me and say, we talked to my friend, I'm going to tell you first, you do it. Now, we can have a conversation after that, and we usually do, but you do it. We're all ministers. We're all God's priests. We're all called to represent God and make a difference in the world. And not only that, not a priest individually. He says, what does he say in that passage? We're a holy nation. It means we're part of something bigger and broader than just ourselves. Collectively, we are a holy nation representing God individually, but also representing God collectively. And he goes on to say this, because you're a priest, because you're a holy nation, because you're God's very own possession, what does the next verse say, or the same verse say in 1 Peter 2, 9? He says, as a result of this, as a result of who you are, now let's talk a little bit about what you do. As a result, you can now show others the goodness of God. When you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. I'm God's representative. I've been chosen by God. I'm his very own possession. And I've been called by God to show others how good God is, how amazing God is, how incredible God is. For God, and here's our word. We're going to see it multiple times this morning. And let's say it together. Verse 9, for God, and let's say the word out loud. For God what? For God, he called you. He called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He was saying, hey, he called you from a place of being in your sin and trapped in your sin and, 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 and eternally separated from God. He called you into light. He called you into life in Jesus to be saved for eternity. He said, I, I, in different passages in the Bible, talk about that. It says you've been transformed. You've been made new. The old is gone. The new has come. You're a new creation. You're a new creature in Christ. And that's got what God's telling us is that when you know who you are, man, I am a child of God. I am a saved child of Almighty God. And He loves me. And I'm saved because of what Jesus did on the cross. When I know that, and when that is who I am, that's well, easy. That's well, easy to know what I'm called to do. And that's where we're headed the rest of this morning, because these first century believers, they were misunderstood. They, were, they suffered. They were persecuted. And I think people look at you and I today as Christians, as Jesus followers, and we're misunderstood as well. And they make assumptions about us And they think we're self righteous and judgmental and intolerant bigots. And unfortunately, some people, by the way that they have lived, they've earned those titles and they've given the rest of us a bad name. And so, like those first century believers, you and I, we experience pushback from others. And even at times, it's a little more than just pushback. You might even say it's persecution, though it's nothing like what the first century uh, persecution was like. But we experience that. So the question is what do we do? In light of who we are, in light of what the world thinks about us, what do we do in our daily calling to represent Jesus to a skeptical world? What do we do in our daily, not occasionally, not, not w- w- weekly, monthly, yearly, in our daily calling? What do we do to represent Jesus to a skeptical world? So let's talk about that. Peter goes on, and then we're going to pick up in verse 11. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He says, so dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents, there's our term again, exiles, as temporary residents and foreigners, in other words, the world's not our own, this isn't where we're from, we have a different standard, a different daily standard. He says, as a result of this, notice what he says, I want you to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. And then he goes on, and here he starts talking about the do. Be very careful to live properly, among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Notice Peter doesn't say, first you have to convince them of what you believe. It's not what he says. He says, we're gonna show others what we believe by how we behave. Peter says that means you and I will live honorably. We'll live honorably. And yes, without a doubt, there will be times when you and I are called to verbally profess the name of Jesus and who He is. And we have those times and those callings, and that is clear sometimes as day for us when we know we're called to do that. Oftentimes, though, you've discovered, I've discovered, we have to earn credibility. Because again, people think and assume we're self-righteous. We're judgmental. That we're intolerant. So we have to earn the credibility by treating them with love. That we love them like Jesus loved us. That we treat others with respect and grace and dignity. That we show them what life in Jesus really looks like. We are called to show other people what we believe. To show other people what we believe by how we behave. And when you and I begin to do that and we show other people what we believe by how we behave, that then builds this bridge between those who don't yet know Jesus. That opens the door and then eventually we get the opportunity to verbally share the love of Jesus. More often than not, it starts with us demonstrating how, what we believe by how we behave. And as, as a church, collectively as point. There's a few things that we value as a church over, over the, the life of our church. Some of the, here's how we behave, and I was thinking about that, and, and, and there's, just, there, there's a few out there, but the, the ones that pop up that are just the most obvious to me is that we, how, how do we show people what we believe by how we behave? The how we behave is, number one, is we demonstrate extravagant acts of kindness. We talked about that last week. You can go listen to last week's message. We dove into it a little more. I loved what one family did is they wrote this on their, on their chalkboard in their house and they wanted, the husband, the wife, the, kid, the kids, they all wanted to be reminded the entire week that I'm going to demonstrate extravagant acts of kindness to people. That's one of the ways in which I live honorably among others. One of the others that we believe uh, how we behave is that we just demonstrate over the top generosity as a church collectively. You know Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm wondering, do you actually believe that? Like inside, do you believe that that is true? I can tell you collectively as a church we try to demonstrate that. We we really do. There have been times when there's been needs. I, I think about what we've done here, and you've been amazing with this as a church, that we have taken some of our Sunday morning offerings, and we have given those away to other churches who had a, who had a major need or a serious need. I think about our, our commitment to planting more churches so more people can come to know Jesus And recently we planted a few more churches and we planted a church. Uh, Some people will say they've never heard that term. What does it mean, plant a church? It means we started a church in Pasadena recently. And Pastor Jeff, he spoke on our stage here. Him and his team are doing an incredible job. If you're ever down in SoCal and you're in the Pasadena area on a Sunday, I encourage you to attend one of the services. Because you, your participation as a church, we've been able and continue even to this day to be generous, over the top generous to get that church rolling and and they're two years into it and they're just about self-supportive. They're in the 80-something percent range now. You can be praying for that and for them. And so we're part of that. We've recently built two churches in Mexico and thus through that planted two churches in Mexico. Why? It's over-the-top generosity. You might even ask the question, "Well, why? I do think it's interesting what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 about this idea of generosity. Jesus said this in Luke 6. He said, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. What does that mean? He said, press down, shaken together. And this is fascinating. To make room for what? What's the word? To make room for? For more? For more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That's a crazy principle. When you think about that idea, and then I look back and I just look at the history of LifePoint, and I look at your generosity as a church, the -the over-the-top generosity, This church, as we have given, the more we have given for the benefit of others and for the kingdom, the more God has given us so that we get to, in turn, give more. And the more you give, the more we... It's this crazy, amazing principle. And I want this and desire this, not just for us collectively as a church, but for us individually that you would say, I go down that path, and I believe what Jesus said. It's more bl- I'm more blessed if I give than receive. And that I'll be one of those people that are participating with the body of Christ, and that I will give to God. With my, f- as, And you know the scriptures. You talk about first fruits, and pick a, a number, a percentage, an amount, and you give it faithfully and regularly. And w- every time you're paid, and you do that, and you give to God. And, and when you do that, You get to experience personally the incredible ways in which God works in your life. We've watched it together collectively. And I invite you, if you haven't gone down that path, God invites you to join the rest of us in knowing what it's like to just demonstrate over-the-top generosity. It's one of the ways we show people what we believe. Here's another one. We talked about it last week. I'm not going to go into it, but it's this idea in relationships that we give other people the benefit of the doubt. We just live in a world where relationships are precarious these days and, and people are tearing each other down and tearing each other apart and it's even happening in churches and God has called us to give people the benefit of the doubt, to 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 realize we may have misunderstood, we don't understand someone's context, we don't understand, we, we, we mishear, we, we, we misread and so rather than 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 Write them off. We lovingly pursue clarity through conversation. Man, it's the best way to make relational progress, to be successful in relationships, is that we just live out this idea with our behavior that we just constantly give people the benefit of the doubt. And then this last one that's huge for us as a church we just value service over self. We value service over self that we would constantly and consistently serve others. That we would follow the model of Jesus, who got down on his knees, put a towel over his arm, and he humbly washed his disciples' feet. And he said, I want you to do the same. I want you to serve others, not for what you get, but for their benefit. Listen, I, I don't want us to be a church that's known for what we're against. I don't want to be known for what we're against. I want to be known for what we're for, by our behaviors, that we are known for extravagant acts of kindness, for we are known for being over-the-top generous relationally. We are going to give people the benefit of the doubt, and we are going to lovingly work through relationship issues and challenges, and that we are just going to humbly, consistently, and constantly serve others. We are going to show people what we believe by how we behave. So Peter says it again. 1 Peter 2.12, he says, live properly among your unbelieving uh, neighbors. That's what we're doing. That's what this is talking about. Uh, uh, The message translation says, live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Great language. And if you live honorably, if you live an exemplary life by the things we just talked about, notice what it says. If you do that, then they'll be won over to God's side. All about behavior, the way we live our life and represent Jesus and what it is that we believe. And then he says, I want to tell you a little bit about God's will. Notice verse 15, 1 Peter 2, he says, it's God's will. It is God's will that your honorable lives, there it is again, your honorable lives would silence ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Another translation says it's by doing what is good or by doing what is right. In other words, it's the way we live that silences people who just don't know any better. That that's how we live. We live honorably. Here at LifePoint, our mission is to point as many people as we can to life in Jesus. And we just believe that that can happen through the way we live our lives. And then there comes a point when you have an opportunity to verbally share your story. And when you get to that point, your life has demonstrated it already. And so that person you have influence with, that person who's in your life, you share the love of God verbally, and then all of a sudden it, comes, it makes sense to them, and there's, they're like, man, I want that life, because I've watched you live honorably. And Peter just keeps hammering this home. He doesn't end there. He's like, hey, I got a little more on the sermon, Peter's basically saying. In verse 21, he said, and here's our word again. Let's say it together. For God, what? What's the word? For God. God. God called you, and here it is again, to do good. That's our calling, to do good, even if it means suffering just as Christ suffered for you. So sometimes you're going to do good, and you're not going to get the promotion. That's going to happen occasionally. Sometimes you're going to do good. And as a result of that and live for Christ, sometimes you're not going to be accepted into certain social circles at times. And you may not get that deal. And that may not happen. And that may not happen that you're hoping for. That is possible. But he goes on to say, notice verse 21. He continues. And he says, keep in mind, Jesus, he is our example. And so you follow his steps. What are those steps? He tells us, verse 22, that he never sinned. He never deceived anyone. Verse 23, he didn't retaliate when he was insulted. He didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. He just left his case in the hands of God. That's our Savior. That's our Lord, the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. He's our example, and that is what we have been called to, to follow in his steps. And I have to tell you, that isn't normal. That's different you and I both know what normal is. You know what normal is. Normal is, hey, if someone does good to you, what do you do? You got to do good back. If someone doesn't do good to you, normal is, well, you don't do good back. Someone, someone hurts you or harms you, there's a normal to, to respond back and to kick back towards that. Someone hates you, to hate them back. When someone wrongs you, you're going to wrong them back ten times worse. When someone's critical of you, you say, oh yeah, well, And some of you are like, well, I don't do any of that. Okay, you know what Christian normal is? Christian normal is, well, okay, I won't do any of that, but I'll just ignore them. I'm just not going to spend time with them. I'm not going to have the difficult conversation. I'm not going to really give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay, that's Christian version of normal. But Peter said, no, no, you've been called something different. You have a different daily calling. And that calling is to follow the example of Jesus and to follow his steps. And verse 22 tells us what Jesus did. So jump ahead a a page to chapter 3 and verse 9. And and Peter says, okay, let me explain it a little more in case you didn't catch it from verse 22 of 2 Peter. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. He says this, so you ready? Not normal. We're not going to be normal. We're going to live a different daily calling, a different standard. Verse 9, so don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, you do what Jesus' followers do. Notice what he says. Instead, here's what you do. Here's what's the not normal. Here's what's the living a daily different standard. Instead, pay them back. Let's say this word out loud together with with conviction. Instead, pay them back with a, a blessing. That's what God has called you and I to do. We know who we are, a child of God saved, chosen by him, royal priest representing God. And so no matter what anybody does to you, even when they mistreat you, and Peter wrote at a time when their mistreatment was resulting in prison and even death. I don't think we're going through that, so it definitely applies to us if he's given that to the extreme cases. No matter how you're treated, no matter what it is, that what you do to other people is you pay them back, you give back to them, you show them, you demonstrate to them blessing. You bless others. We pay back others with a blessing. Can you imagine if every single day we pay back others with a blessing? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the people you interact with? And I would just talked to you about some of the ways to do it. Extravagant acts of kindness, over-the-top generosity. You know, de- imagine demonstrating that to people you know. Not just to the local church, but with them. Imagine relationally, you're always giving them the benefit of the doubt. Imagine daily just blessing them by serving them. And we can do it. Why? Because we know who we are. And we know that we have a daily assignment to be different. We know we're a child of God, chosen by God. If you know who you are, we know what to do. We bless others. We live honorably. That's what God is calling each and every one of us to do.